0: Hey, it's Konzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more, and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast.
1: A production of John Konzano's Baldface Truth.
0: Alabama fans care about their sports, they care about their football. They care about Nick Saban they care about Kalen DeBoer I I suspect it's a wonderful place to write columns Our next guest Joseph Goodman Jr is the lead sports columnist at al.com the author of a book called We Want Bama He's joining us now I got to ask him about that where's the title of that book come from
1: that is the signature book for the Saban era, Saban's mighty reign at Alabama. So every time an opponent during that time period in college football history became really good, they always wanted to test themselves against Alabama. So the fans would hold up signs that said "We want Bama" at games. Fans would chant "We want Bama," like you know. BYU got good one year, and they were undefeated. They would hold up signs that say, we want Bama. And it turns into this big thing. Like, at the World Cup, you know, people were holding up signs that said, we want Bama. And, <laughs> you know, different event. North Korea wants Bama. Different stuff like
0: that. <laughs> I love it. Joe, give me an idea of the reaction. When, in the book. Yeah, but yeah. Sorry, sorry, John. But no. in the book, you know, the the book...
1: Is a little different because it kind of turns that we want Bama, uh, you know, on its head in a different way. Like if you, that. if anyone wants to, if anyone wants to check it out,
0: <laughs> I love that. Hey, Always give... be selling. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right, Joe. Let me ask you the reaction when Nick Saban said, "I'm out." Um, what was the reaction in the fan base?
1: Oh, cataclysmic, apocalyptic doom. I mean. yes man yes i mean people freaked out i mean completely freaked out and i mean it's something that i saw coming like pretty much the whole year um and, and i think a lot of people did you know like just kind of looking back but um people in alabama who wanted to believe with their hearts that Saban was going to coach as long as Bobby Bowden did, okay? Like, <laughs> that group of fans, but they had to come apart.
0: <laughs> did, did did they have it come apart because they thought, this era's over, or was it more Saban-related that they liked him as the guy, or was it maybe, were they looking at Saban going, what did he see that we need to be worried about? <laughs> it's
1: the reaction that a fan base has when the greatest college football coach of all time retires. That <laughs> That is the reaction. <laughs> I mean, it, it's Nick Saban. There's not going to be another guy like him. I, and I, I like Kalen DeBoer a lot. I think he's going to be a great coach at Alabama. He ain't going to be Saban.
0: Will Saban... Have a role with Kalen DeBoer? Will he be a sounding board? Will he be around raising money? Uh, is that a good thing if he's around raising money? Uh, what will his role be moving forward?
1: Man, Saban. <laughs> Nick Saban is chilling on the beach right now, it, down in his <laughs> his his huge multi-million-dollar mansion on the island in Jupiter with the Halliburtons and Tiger Woods. I mean, Nick, come on. You think he's going to leave that and come back and help Kalen DeBora in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? Like, no, he's not. I, you know, Kalen needed to say that when he was hired, okay? Because he needed to keep as many recruits in the, or many as many players and recruits in the fold as he could. And I, you saw what happened. It was like mass exodus. So that's what that was about. Kalen's going to have to be his own guy. And I know he's going to be, um, and I think he's going to do a great job. It's just it, it's going to be completely different than the way Nick Saban ran things, though.
0: Joseph Goodman with us, lead sports columnist, al dot com covers Bama among other things in that footprint. Uh, Deboer comes in. Uh, Greg Byrne, the athletic director at Alabama, know him well. have 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 had him on the show. Uh, I think it was a good hire in. It, it looked to me like he was zeroed in on DeBoer all the way. Did you ever get a sense that Dan Lanning was even a consideration, or was it DeBoer from start to finish?
1: I don't know about that. Um, I, I, like, I honestly like DeBoer better than I like Lanning. Um, so I would say that it was a good hire because, you know, Dan Lanning, or let's face it, he lost twice to DeBoer, so why would you hire that guy when you can hire DeBoer? I mean, that's the biggest thing. Um, You know, you hire Dan Lanning, and then Kirby Smart kind of has, can hold that against Mm -hmm. him, Uh, you know, with the recruits down here in the SEC. um, Like, this is is my guy, you know, whatever. I mean, Saban definitely did that with Kirby, so um, you know, he hit the, Greg hit the reset button and, um, it took a lot of guts, you know, and good for him. I mean, he had really good success, uh, going outside the South and hiring Nate Oates, the basketball coach. And Oates has turned Alabama basketball around, although they still can't make it to the Elite Eight, but that's a different story. Um, uh, you know, I would say hiring DeBoer, uh, is, was a very like, Difficult Greg Byrne hire. Um, that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's that's kind of a good thing. But yeah, you know, kind of fits the profile.
0: The landscape of college athletics. Uh, you know, obviously, we got a good look at it out here with the Pac-12 movement and Oregon off to the Big Ten and Washington. And you know, how's all that going over in the SEC footprint? Or is it just so SEC-centric that people? Still, see that you know it's just a matter of how many playoff spots the SEC will grab next season.
1: No, so, it's you know the SEC is its own different universe. Okay, so you know anything outside of it is just on the periphery. But I would say that people, you know, in Birmingham, Alabama, which is the number one TV market in the country for college football. Definitely pay attention to everything that happens everywhere in the sport. So, um, yeah, those teams, those four teams moving to the Big Ten, the, you know, the big shakeup in college football. Like everyone has their fingers on the pulse of everything happening around the country. So, uh, and then you've got to keep in, you know, keep in mind that Bo Nix like went out and played for Oregon. So everyone in Alabama was really in tune with oregon for the past two years just based on bo Nix, and so when uh all that went down with uh oregon and washington and you know the decimation of what we used to call the pac-12 um yeah people people are paying attention to that for sure um it's a new world now uh it's going to be and it like what we see now, like the the Power Four, whatever you want to call it, like it's not going to be like this for long either. We're still in like this transition, transition, transitional period. So, you know, more changes are coming. College football is in in three years, four years. College football is not going to look anything like it's going to look this next season.
0: What do you think it looks like, or what causes that? Is is it a, is it the ACC implosion, Florida State, or does college football break away from the other sports? Or what do you think happens?
1: I think there's going to be a new division, like Division Zero, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be all the big schools that can buy into it and, you know, essentially pay players like employees. And then it'll be everyone else in, you know, FBS or whatever you want to call call the other division. I'm looking forward to that, you know. Um I I still think uh, there's going to be a lot of good football in that second division if this happens, and those playoffs will be really compelling. Uh, But that's what I think is going to happen in the end. I think it'll be, um, you know, just like the AFC and the NFC for the NFL or whatever, but it'll be college football.
0: Joe Goodwin with us. Columnist, Alabama.com, AL.com. You had a great column the other day on Ohio State. You said, you know, it's title... Uh, why steal signs when you can steal players? And Ohio <laughs> State, Ohio State going all in. Um, what do you mean by that? Uh, and and how was that received? As you wrote that.
1: Well, it was just kind of taking the pulse of Alabama's fan base at the time. Uh, you know, uh, you have know, Ohio State, which is you know kind of like the Alabama of the Midwest, and they. They really wanted to flex their financial might. And Alabama can't compete with that, just to be frank. I mean, Ohio State's fan base is a lot larger, um and they have much deeper pockets. And so, uh, you know, that was, a, that was a shot to the gut for Alabama to see that happen. Um, but, you know, I have this expression that I like to use with teams uh, – you know, down here that aren't Alabama or Georgia, it's desperate money. Like, what uh, what Ohio State did, okay, was like the desperate money play. Um, Texas A&M did that in 2022 when they had the number one recruiting class in the country. Uh, you know, the Longhorns are doing that right now. Like, Ohio State watched Michigan win that championship you know, I mean, let's just be honest in like this nefarious fashion. And they said, forget it. All bets are off. You know, we are doing everything we can to buy a championship. And that's what they've done. And so Brian Day, I'm telling you, they don't, if he doesn't win a national championship in two years, he's going to get fired.
0: Yeah. And I think you're seeing, like we were talking about this earlier in the show that we're watching coaches leave college football to go to the NFL because they're going, we don't want to deal with the, essentially the free agency and, having to raise NIL money and we we just want to coach football they're going to the NFL and it used to be the other way people say i'm tired of pro football i want to go call, i want to go work with kids you know i think we're seeing different kinds of coaches and you know you wrote too that you know a lot of us are viewing Kalen DeBoer following Nick Saban as that's an impossible act that's really hard who would take that job you see it a little bit differently Tell me what you mean by that, when you kind of look at that job and the act that he has to follow and the expectations.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a new world. Like Nick Saban didn't want anything to do with that world, so he cashed in his chips. And Kalen DeBoer has a blank canvas, all right? I mean, college football is going to be so much different in the future. Like We're going to look back and we're going to be like, that was the saving era. And then everything after that is this new world for college football. So that's what Kalen DeBoer is walking into. And it's just going to matter how much money you can raise. I mean, that that's that's what college football comes down to right now at the moment. And so they change the rules or they get a handle on everything or uh, they create this new division or Congress steps in or whatever is going to happen, okay, whatever mechanism triggers, you know, sanity, Um It's just going to come down to how much money can you raise. And if Kalen DeVore can play that game, uh, you know, he's going to have a chance to write his own legacy at Alabama.
0: Can he play that game? Will Alabama fans, who are obviously uh, unhinged in the best of ways, will they they write checks? Will they support the NIL collective? Uh,
1: I, I think so because, you know, really Nick Saban in a lot of ways kept Alabama's uh whales in check okay he ran and hit the program his own way and he he had his own mil- he had the million dollars the bryant foundation which is like there's this thing called the bryant foundation in alabama and just to be in it you have to donate a million dollars and so i mean there is a lot of money down there um and i think the big donors who've kind of been kept at arm's links like i think they're lining up now okay Mm. Uh, they saw what happened with Caleb Downs going to Ohio State, Julian Sang on Ohio State. Uh, so people are so passionate here. Uh, you know they'll tie to Alabama football like they do their church.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Joe Goodman is with us. Uh, man, I love that. Uh, when you uh, when you're looking at your career, let's step back now. Um, you know before you got into journalism you were a painter right
1: <laughs> yeah so my dad was an industrial painter um and so uh before i went to college i mean this is when i was really young i was 18 yeah. okay? okay uh after high school during during my senior year of high school i was a industrial painter and um you know i i did some really big jobs for uh huge factories you know spraying steel uh like up 150 feet on man lifts and just like these enormous structures that you know you need a car to drive the links of and I, you know i got i got a, I, I made enough money okay to put a nice down payment on a house but then i was like you know what i kind of just want to go to college and be a writer, <laughs> right so yeah I, I you know my dad was a my dad was an industrial painter um soul paint, uh, and so uh, I did that for a while with him.
0: Uh, and so, I, what I'm getting at is, you know, you've done that's like that sounds like it's harder work, but then again, you're dealing with Alabama's fan base. Those are different <laughs> jobs,
1: you know. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have to alert the FBI to death threats when I was when I was a painter, you know. <laughs>
0: It, and I guess that's good because you know, uh, you know, I covered Indiana basketball. They were rabid fans. I and I, I've, I've been around things that where people care, and that's a good thing when you're writing and people care. But you know, yeah, death threats. No, you, you know, you don't. Nobody deserves that.
1: Well, I mean, come on, you know how it is. You're in this business long enough. Like that's how it goes. I mean, I've been a writer now for like going on 25 years. I, yeah, I covered. Uh, I covered the Heat when they had LeBron uh, for the Miami Herald. You know, people people are crazy about their sports. Uh, I covered the Gators when they had Tebow. Like, you're always going to get fans that take it a little too far.
0: <laughs> what was LeBron like to cover?
1: Man, LeBron, to me, just does not get enough credit for being – such a social catalyst. Like, I love LeBron James. Okay, and I think he, when he gets done and everyone reflects on his life and his career, they're going to put him up there with Muhammad Ali because, just look what he did during the pandemic. I mean, he really rallied the sports world and and kind of like saved, in a way, the soul of the country. I mean, this is this is just my opinion. And I, and I wrote a lot about this in the book. We want family too. Um, mm. But yeah, I think LeBron's great, man. He's, um you know, whatever, who's the best player in the country. Who's the best player ever. I mean, I don't know, but I just think um, there's no one, there's not going to be anyone like that guy. Just what he, I mean, he's still playing at such an elite level.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: You know, so, he, I mean, his impact on our society has just spanned such a great length of time. I mean, Jordan sold shoes, okay? Congratulations. You sell tennis shoes. Like, look what LeBron has done. Look what he's managed to accomplish outside the game. It's remarkable.
0: Joe Goodman with us. His book is called We Want Bama. Check it out. I'm looking at it right now on Amazon. A bunch of people rated it five stars. you got to be proud about that. And uh, actually,
1: actually, actually, it's one of the most controversial sports books ever written, okay? It was not well-received here in the South. Really? Um, Yeah, so, you know, if you want to read a book that really makes you think, read We Want Bama because there are so many people here in the South that just went, and once they read the first introduction, they were like, they immediately went to Amazon and gave it a one-star review. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) It is like, when I say it's one of the most controversial sports books ever written, it is, okay?
0: <laughs> I love that. Well, I'm buying it right now, Joe Goodman, so at least you, you've oh, sold God. you sold at least one book during this appearance. Uh, last question, how much patience will Alabama have with Kalen DeBoer? If there's a step back, if um, you know he doesn't make the playoff a couple years in a row, is there going to be big outcry? Is that just how it is there, or will there be a little understanding?
1: No patience, no patience at all. He has to make the playoffs next year.
0: <laughs> it's
1: just that's amazing. just the way it is. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm being dead serious. I know. That's the way I it know. Is. If they lose to the Auburn at home, like they might want to fire him on the spot. I'm not kidding. Like there is going to be so much pressure on him immediately. Like he does not get a grace period. He doesn't get like you can have this free year to figure out your staff. Like, none of that, okay? (laughs) I mean, he has to make the playoffs his first year,
0: and he understands that. Joe Goodman, you're the best. The book's called We Want Bama. Listen,
1: Nick Saban always said, when I win three games, they're going to want me out of here. I won't even have to retire. I mean, and he was right. He was was right. He never lost three games.
0: (laughs) I love that. Joe, you take care of yourself, man. It's always good to hear you. Okay, guys. See you, man. All right. There he goes, Joe Goodman. We Want Bama is the name of the book. I love that interview. Leave it here. Well, we started today's show by talking about yesterday's show. I was a little confused yesterday off the top of the show as I opened the phone lines and did about a five- or seven-minute kind of rant about you know, Damian Lillard's return to Portland and the 37-foot shot in Paul George's face and the legacy of Lillard and the, I think, what kind of a complex return. I don't think Damian Lillard's return tonight to Moda Center is a simple story. There's a complexity to it that involves his contract status, the death of owner Paul Allen, Trustee Jody taking over, Neil Olshay's role, um, a Western Conference finals appearance in twenty nineteen that ended in a sweep. The, you know, the, you know, really if you look back to twenty nineteen and that that playoff run that was the win over Oklahoma City, the win over Denver, and then getting swept by the Warriors, that should have been like a mark of delineation, that series with the Warriors. There should have been a you know, Damian Lillard and the Blazers before that, and then Damian Lillard and the Blazers after that. And it should have been the story of, like, that was when the Blazers bumped their head against the NBA ceiling, ran into the Warriors, went into the 2019 offseason, made all of these big moves, because they were in the Western Conference Finals, after all, made all of these big moves that put them in position to break through In 2020, 2021, and beyond. There should have been a before and after 2019. But no, all there was was 2019. That was it. And oh, by the way, as Jack Nicholson once said, that's as good as it got. That's it. That was making it as a Blazer fan in the Damian Lillard era. So it's a complex return to Portland for Lillard. It's not a simple story. I wrote about it today at johnconzano.com. There's a complexity to what we're watching that tonight will manifest itself in Lillard showing up and dressing in the visiting locker room and walking out onto the court and getting a standing ovation and having a lot of Blazer fans like the barista at the coffee shop I was in this morning who say, this is the biggest game of the year. That's kind of sad, but true. Like, not a playoff game for this team this season. Not a, you know, season opening night that held all of the marbles and all of the stakes. No, it's the return of a former player in the middle of a dismal season that becomes kind of the biggest ticket of the Blazers' season. So, it's complicated. It's not just, oh, Dame's back in town, let's go down to the arena or tune in and see what happens. No, there's a complexity and a depth to it that I think is really interesting. Now, yesterday on the show, I opened the show and I said, tell me how you feel about it. And then I said how I felt about it, and I talked about it, and Stephen talked about it. And then I went and I pivoted because I have all these screens in front of me with various things open. And one of them has the screener software that is that shows, you know, if you're calling on one of the 12 phone lines where you are and, and you know, the call screeners you know, put, going to put your name in your city and talk to you before I talk to you. And I pivot over to that screen, and nobody's there. And here we are, like, yesterday was the eve of Lillard's return. Kind of a big deal, and nobody's there. And so I went after the show, and I went back and listened to it, and I thought, gosh, did I set up the topic wrong? Did I ask the wrong question? Sometimes you ask the wrong question. Did I, um, did I not really frame it correctly in a way that seemed, you know, important. And I know people were listening because the very next segment we got a ton of calls and people were listening, and later, even yesterday, I I heard from people who heard it and said, and they said, you know, I had something to say, but I didn't call in. And I said, well, why? And I started today's show by saying, well, why didn't people want to talk about Damian Lillard yesterday? Is it that it was painful? Is it that it was a reminder of what could have been? Is it that same kind of thing where like, you know, after a loss, Duck fans don't want to talk about it, Beaver fans don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it after your team loses. Is it is it that? Is it uh was it me? Was it something else? And we got calls today from people who were, I think, very candid, who sort of talked around the idea that you know, they're not what's left A, what's left to say about Lillard's departure and tonight? B it's not a happy story for the Blazers. Lillard, you know, tonight is going to be, he's busy talking to reporters today saying, you know, he does think it will end with him back in a Blazers uniform. And I'm like, that's good for you, Dame. That might be really cool for you, but what if you can't play anymore and you cost a lot of money at that point? That's not necessarily great for the Blazers organization. Like, there's part of this from a Blazers standpoint that's it's not a happy story. And, and And a lot of that is rooted in the fact that the ownership and the management teams have just failed. They've failed fans. They have failed Damian Lillard. The, and I think fans and Lillard, tonight, we're going to see that fans and Lillard were in this thing together in the last couple of years, particularly right now, as Lillard is going, hey, what could have been? It's kind of sad. It could have been better. It could have been different. Fans are saying those same things. All right, I hope if you're going to the game tonight, you enjoy it. Uh, the Bald Face Truth not here for a long time. <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Trump to interrupt Florida. the podcast, but...